Hebrews 4, 1 Timothy 6. How many love the Bible? Love the Word of God. If you don't, you don't love God. Do you know that? Do you know you don't love the Lord any more than you love His Word? Your word, your word, your love for God is directly in correlation with your love for His Word. That's true. Whether you've thought much about that or not. You know. Take for instance, you know, have you ever seen anybody? Say, say you got a couple of folk that are engaged. But they're separated by distance or whatever. One of them writes a letter to the other one. And they get that letter. Uh, do those words have any value to them? Hmm? Well, they'll take that letter. They'll pour over every word. They'll fold that letter up and put it in a little box. Is that right? <laughs> those words. Why, why are those words so special? Is it necessarily because they're written in, in the most elegant style and the, the greatest of prose or poetry? No, no, no. They, they might be even crude, in fact. <laughs> but it's the person that wrote them. Is that right? And the love for that person makes you cherish those words. Is that right? If you take the letter and look at it and go, ah, oh, you know, throw it in the can, trash can. Well, that says something about your feelings for that person. Isn't that right? Because a person in their word is one. And your love for God is directly revealed by your love for his word. You remember the Bible said David was a man after God's own heart. David's a man that loved God. You ever read the 119th Psalm? Virtually every verse is an expression of adoration of God's word. How wonderful his word is. How tremendous his word is. I mean verse after verse after verse. Scores of verses in Psalm 119. All about the Word and how wonderful the Word and how He loves God's Word and how He loves His statutes and He loves His precepts and how He loves them and keeps them. Why? He loves God. It's obvious. The man loves God. And the love for His Word shows that. Well, if you love the Word, you'll read it. You won't go months at a time without picking up your Bible. Well, that's not, not a good place to get quiet, guys. I mean... <laughs> And call anybody's name or point to anybody. But really, I mean, if you love something, you know, if you love something, you use it. Is that right? If you, if you enjoy something, you use it. You get involved with it. If you, if you love the Word, then you're going to have it. You're going to have it close to you. You're going to read it. You're going to get involved in it frequently. Is that right? And so sometimes people get confused about things. They say things, but their actions say something else. But have you found Hebrews 4? You know, God's words contain God's thoughts. If you want to know how God thinks, read His Word. These words convey His thoughts. And you know, His thinking really is different from natural human thinking. Isn't it? I mean, as much difference as the height between the heavens and the earth, the Scripture says. Is that right? But that doesn't mean we can't think his thoughts after him and that our thinking can't be conformed to his thinking because that's the whole objective 
you know, in walking with him, the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He wants us to think like he does about everything. He wants us to see everything the way he sees it and to think about everything the way he thinks about it. And we have not arrived to that fullness yet. Is that right? Do you understand that where you sit today and where I stand today, we do not see everything and think in all ways like him. If you did, you've arrived. <laughs> do you know that? No, uh-uh. No, to assume that you do is, is foolishness and deception because we do have room to grow. Amen. And if you read the Bible uh, frequently and properly, you're always, you'll always be coming across different ways of thinking than what you've been thinking. Different ways of seeing things than what you've been seeing. And you should adapt, adopt that and, and let your mind be renewed to that. And it's a process and it's something we're growing in every day. You understand just because you get born again, that does not mean you think like God. I mean, there are people that have been born again for years. And they hardly think like God at all. It's true. Because only to the degree that the word of God abides in you. And you dwell in it and live in it. Do you think like him. And uh, there is a lot of religious thinking. And religion can be a good in a good sense or a bad sense. There's, I should say perhaps like this. A lot of traditional religious. In the sense of men's tradition. Thinking that people equate with God's thinking, and yet it's not God's thinking. There's a lot of folks, they're just sure that God thinks like this. But he doesn't. He thinks differently than they think he thinks. You know what I'm saying? And there are folks that actually portray God wrongly. People with degrees on the end of their name. That stand in pulpits. People that write books. You understand what I'm saying? People that are otherwise sincere and devout Christians, they are sincere, but their thinking's wrong. And they communicate that God thinks and sees certain ways, and he does not. They're wrong. They're incorrect. And it's, it's interesting how so many times people try to adapt God to them instead of them adapting to him. You know what I mean by that? People just assume, well, God's like me. Me and God's just alike. That's bad English, but you know what I'm saying? God and I are just just alike, you know? He and I think just alike about everything. (laughs) When the truth be known, there's a lot of differences. And you have to be careful about just assuming that, well, yeah, the way I see it, same way God sees it. The way I think, same way he thinks about it. And the Word of God... You can even read portions of Scripture in the Word of God, but if you're not careful, you look at it through the tinted glasses of your own ideas and opinion, and you try to make it say what you think it says. But well, if you can just pull those off and read it for what it actually says, you can get revelation that sets you free. Can you say amen? Now, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, I want you to notice something. This whole portion of Scripture here, actually beginning back in the third chapter, deals with the subject of rest. Rest. 
Now, before we even begin looking at this, I want you to understand we're going to be talking about this perhaps throughout the week. We'll just see how the Lord leads us. But there is such a a strong connection between rest and restoration. Between rest and healing. Rest. You know, uh, the body must have rest to be normal and healthy. Mustn't it? You can't just go very long without rest, without it having a negative effect on your body. You know, as you go about your daily life and do things that you need to do, you're, you're actually, you, you're using up energy. You're using up cells in your body. They, they break down. They die. And your body has to reproduce new cells. And a lot of the restoration that occurs happens while you're sleeping. You know, your heart slows down and your breathing slows down and your your body gets a bit of a break. Doesn't stop completely, but it gets a real, a chance to, to recoup and rest. Amen. And if you deny it that necessary rest, then, uh, it's going to have some adverse effects. You know, so many times when people are trying to recoup and heal, the physicians will recommend extra rest for them. Isn't that right? Need to rest. And that's one of the, you know, sometimes that's even one of the main reasons why people are, are uh, you know, the physician, you know, wants them to stay in the hospital. It's so that they'll rest because he knows if they're not in the hospital, they won't rest. They'll be running here and yawn and doing this and that and busy, 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 and they won't rest. So rest is a definite key in being healthy and being whole and strong. And we live in a society where people act like they don't have time to rest. Is that right? I mean, in our society, you're talking about busy. You can be busy, can't you? I mean, you can be, so, you can be busy, you know, almost 24 hours a day. Just try to cram in some sleep time somewhere to keep from falling down. But uh, but you can just go, 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 go till you drop, which is what a lot of folk are doing. They're dropping. You understand what I'm saying? They're dropping with heart attacks, dropping with strokes, dropping with this, dropping with that. And even if they're not just dropping all at once with something like that, uh, all of the stress and what have you is taking its toll on people day in, day out, week in, week out, until it makes them susceptible to things that they wouldn't have been susceptible to otherwise. You know, greatly affects their immune system so that their system doesn't fight things off like it should. Little problems become big problems. Are you with me? Do you understand that rest is a big, big factor? But when we're talking rest, you know, so many times people only see the natural side of things, but really there there can be no true physical rest without some uh, spiritual rest. You understand? You can't rest outwardly unless you can rest inwardly. How many ever tried to rest, but you had turmoil inside? I mean, you can lay on the bed, lights out. You're not supposed to be doing anything but sleeping. But because you, don't, because you don't have rest inside, you can toss and turn. Is that right? Thinking about this, fretting about that, worrying about the other. 
And even if you do doze off and get a few fitful moments of sleep, you're not rested when you awake the next morning. Is that right? Anybody ever been there? Well, that, that affects you, doesn't it? You need rest. But it's not just a matter that you need X amount of hours of good restful sleep. You need to rest while you're awake. In fact, if we do what the Lord told us to do, we will live in a state of rest. Did you know that? So what are you talking about? The Bible said the just shall live by faith. And did you know that faith is a rest? Another way of saying that is to say the just shall live in rest. That's interesting, huh? Now let's read this portion of Scripture here and think about it. Verse 1, Hebrews 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Let's all say that at least two or three times. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Think about it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Rest. If you're believing, what are you in? You're in rest. What if you're not in rest? Well, that's an indication you're not believing. Not in faith. He said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, Today after so long a time, as it is said, Today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, or that's the word for Joshua, had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Is there a rest available to the people of God? Yes, yes, yes. And what he was saying in those previous verses is that the first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt, going into the promised land, they should have gone in, they could have gone in if they'd have believed. That was a type of them believing the gospel and entering into rest. But they didn't believe the gospel, and so they didn't enter into the rest. Amen. God wanted to give them rest. They had been a slave nation. They had wandered around the wilderness. And uh, that first generation, because of their unbelief, didn't enter in. And the second generation, as they were growing up, had wandered and wandered and wandered. And God wanted to give them what? Rest. Rest from their wanderings. Rest from their servitude. Rest from their slavery. He said, I've found a good land for you. It flows with milk and honey. It's a land of blessing. Amen. He wanted them to go in there and settle down and rest and reap rich crops and have blessed herds and have a good life and enjoy life and rest. Amen. 
What does He want for us today? All of that's a type of our spiritual inheritance. Amen. That He wants us to rest. Rest. We're living in the day of grace. The day when you appropriate the things of God by faith. And that is the day of rest. In fact, the Sabbath day was a type of things. And today we're living in the fulfillment of the type of the Sabbath day. We're living in the day of rest. Amen. You know, it's interesting how people fuss and fight about the Sabbath day. Well, you know, why aren't folk keeping the Sabbath? Why, why is this and why that? Which day is the Sabbath? Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Is it Monday? Which is the Sabbath, you see? And uh, people ought not do this on the Sabbath. People ought not do that on the Sabbath. Well, probably any person that you'd come across that think they're keeping the Sabbath day are not. As far as keeping a day and not working. Do you know that on the Sabbath day you can't even build a fire without breaking the Sabbath day? You can't buy anything or sell anything on the Sabbath day. You can't go but a certain distance on the Sabbath day. You understand what I'm saying? And people get hung up on that and they miss what the Sabbath day typifies, which is a day of rest. Is that right? A day of rest. So before, before you fuss and fight about the Sabbath day, you better, you better do a little study on it. Amen. <laughs> and see, see what, see what you're doing, you see. Are you really keeping the Sabbath? How do we keep the Sabbath in the new covenant? You know what Paul said? Just, just hold your place here. Go back to Galatians. Notice what Paul said in the New Testament about some of these things. Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 9. He said, but now, after that you've known God, Galatians 4, 9, or rather are known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Do, do you understand that all through the New Testament that they had problem with people that kept trying to get back under the law? Kept trying to keep the law. Kept trying to say, this is what's going to make you righteous in the sight of God. You've got to keep this day. You've got to observe this. You've got to observe that. No, we, we, need, we understand from the New Testament scriptures that the things that happened in the Old Testament, the ordinances, the statutes, the sacrifices, the offerings, were all types and shadows of what we live in the reality of today. Do you understand? And the seventh day was a day of rest. And the day of rest typifies the day in which you and I live. We don't get anything from God in the day and age in which you and I live, the church age. We don't get anything from God through working for it. Do you understand? On this Sabbath day of rest, there, there are to be no works to try to get something from God. Now, we should have good works but not working to try to get something from God. It's a day of rest. 
We're supposed to be living in the day of rest. Do you believe you're saved? Are you working to get saved? Working to be saved? Or are you resting in the finished work of Calvary for yourself? If you're working to get saved, you're not saved. Are you listening? If you're trying to be a good enough person to be saved somehow, some way, someday, then you're not saved. Being a good person doesn't save you. Of course, now if you're saved and you walk in the light, you'll be a good person. Are you with me? And same token, you know, being a good person doesn't heal you. I've heard people, they've asked me questions before. They say, well, you know, well, so-and-so, they were a good person. And they didn't get healed. How come? Well, what's being a good person got to do with being healed? Are you with me? The answer is nothing. You're not healed because you're a good person. And you're not, you're not excluded for, from healing because you hadn't been such a good person. How are you healed? By grace, through faith. And faith is a Rest. Are you with me? Are, now here, here's a question. I want you to think about it today and throughout the week. Are you working for it? Or are you resting in it? Did you hear me? Are you working for it? Are you working to get it? Or... Are you resting in it? Let me say it again. Are you working for it? You working to get it? Or are you resting in it? Which one's faith? Resting in it. Faith is not works. Faith is rest. Can you say amen? Now, I realize some of you may have heard these things before, but it sure won't hurt you to hear it again. Because what's the tendency and nature of the flesh? To work for it. You understand that? Anybody's. That's just the tendency. That's why you see it so much brought up in the epistles. Works, faith. Works versus faith. Faith versus works. Works and faith. Works and faith. You understand? You see it in Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. I mean, you see it. Hebrews. It's all through the New Testament. Why? Because it was the biggest issue. Well, has anything changed in that area? No. Still the biggest issue. Still the issue. You know, we believe in prayer. We believe in confession. We believe in in, uh, laying on of hands. We believe in reading the Word. We believe in listening to tapes and Going to church and having good messages. But if you're not careful, any of those things or all of them can become works. Well, if I'll confess it enough, I'll get it. I can, when I get to the right number, you know, 235,000th confession, bingo, I'll hit it. So you've got to be careful. Well, if we'll pray long enough and hard enough, we log that 49th hour of prayer, then We'll connect. No, no, no. You've got to be careful about it. It's because you're working to get it. Do you understand? Working to get it is not the same as resting in it. Faith is a rest. 
Faith is a rest. We which have believed do enter into rest. Notice verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. There is a rest. Glory to God. Remember what Jesus said over in Matthew? Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you more things to, to work with. No. No. Thank God. No. But if you watch some folk and listen to them, that's almost the way they act. I came to Jesus and he gave me more things to be upset about. No, no, no. Come unto me, Jesus said. And I'll do what? I'll give you rest. He said, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly of heart. My yoke is easy. 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 And my burden is light. If you got a hard yoke and a heavy burden, you didn't get it from the Lord. You've let the devil load your wagon. And boy, he will load it. He'll load it till the axle sways. He'll load it till your tires are flat. And then just keep loading. You understand what I'm saying? He loads it, he'll load it till your car drags the, the pavement. But Jesus' load is, is what? His yoke is easy. His burden or load is light. There is work in the kingdom. There is responsibility, but it's easy and light. Because he gives us grace to do all of it. Can you say amen? amen. Everybody say easy and light. Easy and light. No, we're not talking about some new food item. <laughs> easy and light. Amen. amen. Light and easy. Thank God. He gives us rest. Verse 10, he said there remains a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, do you still have 1 Timothy? Let's go back and look at that. Everybody say, God's will will is rest. rest. 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verse 17. It said, charge them that are rich in this world. That they give everything away because God doesn't want them to have any riches. Uh, I better look again. I'm having trouble reading this today, am I not? Somebody said, well, that's what he told the rich young ruler. Give everything away. Yeah, he did. But when Zacchaeus told him, I'm going to give half of mine away, he didn't say, no, that's not good enough. Got to give it all. He said, that's acceptable. In so many words, he said, this day salvation has come to your house. So which is right? Half or all? Or 10%. You understand what I'm saying? Now see people, people miss the whole point. In the same portion of scripture, if you back over here to verse 10, 
What did he say is the root of all evil or all kinds of evil? Not just money, not just things, not just riches, but what? The love of it. The love of it. Covetousness is the problem. Not the things themselves. Getting free from the love of it. Getting your priorities right. And and sometimes one of the best ways to do that is is to give it away. And then God can add it to you and you it doesn't mean to you what it used to. Amen. But no, he didn't tell them give everything away. What did he tell them? He said, don't be high minded. You know, somebody, sometimes people get a few things and they change. You know, they get highfalutin. Anybody know what I mean by that colloquial expression? They get a little bit snooty. A little bit snobbish. You know, they don't know you anymore. You see, they, they're in a different social circle now. He said, don't be high-minded. Don't be high-minded. Turn and tell your neighbor, say, as God prospers you, don't get high-minded. <laughs> yeah, some folk might think, hey, man, ain't no need telling me that. I mean, well, then you're not believing right. Amen. If you're believing right, then this could be a definite thing to have to deal with. Did you hear me? Oh, man, I'm not concerned about dealing with this. Then you're not in faith. All right. Don't be high-minded. And don't trust in uncertain riches. Don't put your faith in money. Don't put your faith in things. Because, man, money can be here today and gone tomorrow. Things can be here today and gone tomorrow. Companies, economy, right? These things change. They can change fast. They can change quickly. Don't put your faith in that. Put your faith in in the source of all these good things. Amen? But, but, in other words, trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. Enjoy. You might want to circle that word if you don't, if, you know, if that's strange to you. Enjoy. You know what that word means in the Greek? Enjoy. That's what it means. Amen. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. What does it mean to enjoy? Enjoy. Actually, uh, one definition is to have pleasure. To be pleased with. Now as I studied the scriptures and went over some scriptures again. I've taught on some of these things uh, several times over the last several years. But uh, I was reminded again and, and, and actually noticed the connection between rest and enjoyment. I hadn't seen it just quite like that. But the connection between rest and enjoyment. And uh, also the opposite of that, which would be a, a lack of enjoyment and a lack of rest. Does anybody around here enjoy resting? Huh? Can you, can you enjoy resting? Especially if you're tired. You've been tired? <laughs> like to get somewhere and just sit down and get still? And relax and what? Enjoy and rest. Is that right? Enjoy yourself. 
And you know something that the Lord ministered to me. I saw I was in the library a while back, uh, a public library, and I saw a title of a book, and it just you know I don't I get sermons in funny places sometimes, even off of stuff that's not necessarily Christian or even religious, you might say, but just a thought, just thoughts about life, and. Uh, and this the, a thought came to me as I looked at one of these titles on one of these books about people not enjoying life. And I was reminded of how the scripture in the scriptures we're commanded to enjoy life. I said, where'd you find that at? I'm glad you asked. Back back in Deuteronomy. Let's go and just establish some of these things because I mean you see a New Testament verse here, don't you? About enjoying. Do you suppose it's scriptural? You might say, well, no. no, Brother Keith, I need to be healed. What are we talking about all this for? You know, something you need to learn is that healing is not always just spelled H-E-A-L-I-N-G. There's a lot of things that have a bearing and effect on our health and on our being able to receive. We receive with our heart. Believe with our heart. And whatever condition our heart's in, Affects our ability to receive. And a heart that does not believe it's God's will to enjoy anything in life. And a heart that never has any enjoyment, never has any rest. Is not a heart in position to receive. And if we want changes on the outside, so many times there has to be changes on the inside. And adjustments. I want you to notice, and of course again the Old Testament is types and shadows. Of what we're to be living in the the reality of in the New Testament. But in Deuteronomy. And we'll look here. Let's see. In the 12th chapter. If you were here. What was it? A week or so ago in the Winter Bible Seminar. Brother Hagen used a, a verse back up here in the 11th chapter. We'll pick it up before we start reading this. Some of these things overlap. But in the 11th chapter. Verse 21, 11, 21, he said that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Well, now those would be enjoyable days, wouldn't it? Days of heaven. Now he, he didn't say that, you know, there weren't going to be any trials or tests or that every day was just going to be all shouting and glory. But if you'd obey him and walk with him, you could have days of heaven. Amen. Good days. Enjoyable days. And he's talking about if you keep the Lord's commands and walk with him. Over in the 12th chapter, in the 6th verse, he talked about coming together and bringing their offerings and bringing their sacrifices and their tithes and vows. And in verse 7, he says, And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall what? Rejoice in all that you put your hand to, you and your households, wherein the Lord your God has blessed you. If you look down at the twelfth verse, twelfth verse, he said, And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you, your sons, your daughters, your men servants, your maid servants. And he goes on to talk about all of them. And in verse 18, he said it again at the last uh, phrase there in verse 18, he says, Rejoice before the Lord your God in all that you put your hands unto. If you skip to the 14th chapter. 14th chapter. 
He told them to bring their tithes and to bring their offerings and to come together for his feast. And over in the uh, last part of the 26th verse, 1426, 1426, he said, And you shall uh, eat there before the Lord your God and shall stand, excuse me, you shall rejoice, you and your household. Rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Look over to 16th chapter. Verse 11. 1611. He talked about keeping the feast of weeks. And he said, giving according as the Lord's blessed you. And in verse 11 of 16, he said, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You and your son and your daughter and your manservant and your maidservant and the Levite that's within your gates. And the stranger and the fatherless and the widow. In other words, everybody. Rejoice. Verse 13, when they had the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 14, he said, you shall rejoice in your feast. Verse 15, he said, latter part, because the Lord your God shall bless you in all your increase and in all the works of your hands, therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. What's the idea here? Rejoice. Rejoice. He wanted them to come together. Bring all their grain and their offerings and their meat sacrifices and come together and eat and have a feast and enjoy. He commanded them to. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Now I want you to notice something interesting over in the 28th chapter of Deuteronomy. I don't think maybe some folk have noticed that much. But in the curse of the law, in the 47th verse of Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 28, 47, he talked about all these curses coming on the people because they didn't obey the Lord and didn't keep his commandments. And verse 47, 28, 47, because you served not the Lord your God, how? With joyfulness and with Gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies. And in the middle of it he says, and in the want of all things. See, he's telling one of the reasons why that the curses were going to come is because they didn't serve the Lord with gladness. They weren't glad. They weren't happy. Did you know depression and sadness is not a faith? And you have to walk in faith to please the Lord. Is that right? So if you go around depressed and upset all the time, you're not pleasing the Lord. Because you're not walking by faith. Because if you're walking by faith, you'll have joy. Are you with me today? Amen. Serve the Lord with gladness. 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 Of course, I think you know if you've read the Bible much, I mean, we could, we could go through scores of scriptures just like these. Be glad, rejoice. Be glad, be merry, rejoice. Be glad, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Not just Old Testament, New Testament. Anything in the New Testament about rejoicing? Read Philippians sometimes again. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. All through that, those four chapters. And he said, God gives us richly all things to but you know, the devil has so lied to humanity until people are actually afraid to enjoy things. They are. 
I mean no two or three ways about it. People are afraid. They're scared to enjoy something. And of course I think you know that we're not supposed to get involved in things that's wrong and sinful. But how many know that there are things that's not sinful and they are enjoyable? Is that right? That's right. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. 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 I I was reminded of this. You know, it's a sad thing. There's so many folk in life, they have to lose something to appreciate it. And while they had it, they didn't enjoy it. But now if they've lost it, oh, they think how I could enjoy that if I had that again. And health is no exception. You understand? You understand there's a lot of people around today. They've got good health. But they're not enjoying it. Do you know that? They've got good health. They feel good. But they're not enjoying it. They're taking it for granted. And they're not enjoying it. They don't enjoy the simple things like just not having any pain. They don't enjoy the simple things like just not having any bad doctor's reports. They're so worried about bills or worried about a relationship or worried about their career or whatever until they're not enjoying their health. Did you hear me? People don't enjoy the blessings they have. And sometimes, you, as, you know, as you talk about that in healing school where people have had problems in these areas, folk think, boy, if I could get my health back, I'd enjoy it. Well, now here's the acid test. What are you enjoying right now? Because if you're not enjoying something right now, then you're missing the whole point. Did you hear me? Are you with me? See, there's a lie of the enemy that enjoyment is always out ahead of you somewhere. One of these days, we're going to get it all together and we're going to enjoy life. We're going to get it made financially. We're going to get everything together physically. We're going to get everything together, you know, spiritually, maritally, family-wise. Get everything. The kids are going to get straightened out. Marriage is going to get straightened out. Career is going to get straightened out. And one of these golden days, we're going to really enjoy life. <laughs> and then those folk will rock along and live a while and lose some things that they had and look back and say, man, I wish I could go back to then. We could have enjoyed life so much when I had this or when I had that. So where does the enjoyment come in? If the devil has his way, you won't enjoy now or tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? Because he'll keep you deceived about it. It's, it's, it's so sad how that we can have so many things to enjoy and be thankful for, but be blinded to it and take it for granted. You understand? And just focus in on something we don't have or focus in on something that's not right and not have rest. But if you can enter into rest, you can enjoy. Sure, we're, we've got goals. God's got a plan. We're on our way to some higher things and some greater things. But we're supposed to enjoy every step between here and there. You understand? 
Don't get caught into the trap and into the lie of not enjoying life today and pushing it off into the future somewhere and look back with regret and remorse and realize, man, I could have been enjoying this. I could have been enjoying that. Look what we had and we didn't appreciate it. Are you with me? My soul, like, yeah, but I know it's late for me because, look, I've lost this and I've lost that. And yeah, but see, you're still missing the point. What do you have right now, right today? And if you don't think you've got one thing that you can be glad and enjoy and rejoice about, then you are choked with unbelief. Did you hear me? Someone say, yeah, but what's that got to do with, with regaining this or that? It's got everything to do with it. Everything. Because if you can change your perspective and begin to get in faith, not only can you enjoy what you've got now, but you get in a position to regain something that you've lost. It has to do with stewardship. It has to do with stewardship. Those that are grateful and thankful for what they have and use what they have are candidates for more. Remember that? You read about it in Matthew 25, read about it in Luke 16, the principles of stewardship, the parables that Jesus taught. But if you don't esteem what you have, and if you don't use what you have, you stand to lose what you have. You know, what did Jesus say on more than one occasion? He said, to him that hath, shall more be given. To him that hath not, shall be taken away, even that which he seems to have. He that's faithful in that which is least, is faithful in much. He that's unfaithful in least, is unfaithful in much. Amen. I don't know about you, but you know, thinking about some of these things stirred me up. To say, hey boy, look around. Don't push off enjoyment till tomorrow. Because you've got a lot of things around you to enjoy right now. You say, yeah, but I'm sick and I don't feel good. Yeah, but this, that's the whole point. This is how to come out. Amen. Because see, if you're not careful, you can get negative. Isn't it amazing how that folk can have one thing wrong with the finger? One finger. And if you're not careful, all the focus goes right here. And folk go, oh, my finger. My finger. And they forget to be glad or to be thankful about anything else or to enjoy anything else. They forget about the other nine that's working fine. Huh? And they get to the point where nothing's going right. Life's not worth living because, (laughs) see, I have nothing to be thankful for. Yeah, your heart's working good. Your lungs are working good. Your kidneys, your feet, you know. But the finger. Somebody said, yeah, but you don't understand, half my body's not working. Yeah, but what about the half that is? See, if you just take that for granted and are unthankful, then you're being negative, you're not in rest, you're not enjoying, you're not in faith. Faith is the key to keeping what you've got and getting more. And I'll tell you a little uh, a key in developing a larger capacity to receive more, and that is cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you'll practice thanksgiving, 
you'll develop within you a larger capacity to receive. But if you practice being unthankful, ungrateful, you get narrower and narrower in your soul and in your heart. So uh, the Lord's saying be glad. The Lord's saying rejoice. Oh, there's, you can always, I don't care who you are, where you are, what you've got, what you haven't got, you can always find something to be down about. You understand? I mean, there are people in this world, they're in the prime of life. They got more money than they know what to do with. They have the looks, they have the status, they have the opportunity, and they're miserable. They're not enjoying it. You understand? And there are other people. There are some people that from the outward standpoint, uh, you might think, well, man, they don't have anything. They ought to be miserable. But they enjoy each day. They enjoy the sunshine. Amen. They enjoy the laughter of children. They enjoy the simple pleasures of life. Amen. A refreshing drink of water. And the greatest of all pleasures, the fellowship with God. The joy of faith. The peace of His Spirit. Amen. The life of the Word of God. The fellowship of His people. Isn't it sad how people get so cramped and so stressed out and so busy until they lose all their gladness, lose all their joy, lose all their peace, have no rest, and are not enjoying anything when they could be enjoying so many things. Amen. Amen. Now, I don't know whether you see it or not, friend, but this has a lot to do with your healing. Now, if you don't think it does, don't please don't throw it away. Search it out. Check it out for yourself. Rest. We which have believed do enter into rest. Amen. Make up your mind that you're going to enjoy the rest of the day. Don't be just a hearer of the word only. Be a doer. Man, we've got some nice weather today. Enjoy it. I said enjoy it. Can you see? Enjoy it. Somebody says, well, I can't see it. Can you hear? Enjoy that. Can you smell? Enjoy it. Amen. Can you taste? Don't be a glutton. But enjoy. Amen. Enjoy. Do you have friends? Enjoy them. Do you have family? Enjoy them. Enjoy them. Instead of being tormented with lust and covetousness over things or whatever you don't have, enjoy what you do have right now, right here. Enjoy. Enjoy. You're alive. You have the ability to sense. To know, to perceive, to understand. Most of all, as a born-again Christian, you have the ability to sense the presence of God. To be intimate with Him. Amen. And He is a God who what? Likes to see you rake and scrape by. 
Likes to see you down and out. No, gives you richly all things to enjoy. 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 Somebody saying you're being redundant. I know. I'm not just talking to your head. I want you to get that in your heart. See, we're not careful. We can take notes and notes and notes and have a head full of stuff, but not not have the reality of it in our heart. I said, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, you know, if you had the problems I have, you couldn't enjoy. That's exactly what we're talking about. See, what a lot of folk don't realize is they magnify their problem Instead of magnifying the Lord. They magnify the bad instead of magnifying the good. And in their mind they think, well if I didn't have this I could be happy. But the truth is, if they didn't have that, they'd have something else they're upset about. That's the way they live. You understand what I'm saying? If they had health, if they had wealth, if they had, you know, all kind of opportunity and all kind of things, they'd still be unhappy about something. Because you can always find something to be unhappy about. Praise God by the same token, you can also, no matter what the circumstance, always find something to enjoy and to thank God for. The little things, as well as the big things. Can you say amen? Amen. Oh, praise God. And I, I guarantee you, you start focusing in on what's right, and you start magnifying the Lord and magnifying the good, it will increase. I said it will increase. It will increase. It's a, if you start if you start looking for symptoms in your body and looking for pain and looking for problems, did you know the more you look, the, the more you find? You get so focused, you monitor yourself. You're looking for something all the time. You're going to find more that way. You understand that? But if you're focusing on looking for what's good, Amen. You say, well, look at that. Boy, that leg's strong. That works good. Boy, I got a good leg. Mm. Sound. And look over here. This shoulder's in good shape. Ooh, that's a good shoulder. Boy, my heart just beats. Look at that heart. Boom, boom, boom. Boy. Amen. Got a good brain. Got good eyes. Good ears. Amen. Amen. And not just physically, naturally, emotionally, spiritually, socially. Amen. You understand this is more than just a little pep talk today now. I mean, I'm talking about how God thinks, how God wants you to think, how God wants us to look and operate. The devil is a negative devil. You understand that? He wants to fill you with doubt and unbelief and put a black cloud over your head and no matter how bright the sun's shining, you can't keep from crying and you're down and depressed over everything and everything's against you. Oh, but I'm telling you, in the darkest moment, you've got something to shout about. You've got something to praise God about. Amen. Even Even in the darkest moment. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What can you enjoy today? 
I said, what can you enjoy today? Enjoy. Enjoy. Amen. You might say, yeah, but the, the doctor said this. and the, Well, I know, but is there nothing you can enjoy? It, it's sad that so many times when people get a bad report, especially if it's a seriously bad report, from the time they hear it, their mind focuses in on that and they think about that night and day. Day after day, day after day. And don't realize that that's really what kills them. You know what the Lord said to me some years back? Well, not not years, about a year or so. He said to me, he said, because uh, I was going to pray for an individual that had cancer on the brain. And while I was praying and getting quiet, the Lord spoke to me. He said, son, what's worse than cancer on the brain? I thought, well, that's pretty bad. Cancer on the brain. He spoke to me. He, I don't mean I heard a voice. I just knew inside me. He said, cancer on the mind is worse. He said, I can heal cancer on the brain. Even if half the brain was destroyed, I could recreate it. And you know he could. How I many know it's not too hard for the Lord? I mean, the Lord made the human body. If you believe that he made it, then you know he could recreate body parts. But he said, if, if they won't get it off of their mind and get the fear and death off of their mind and get me and my healing power on their mind, then they've got the door closed to me working on their behalf. See, the enemy that you have to overcome is the fear and the, the depression. You understand? You've got life in you. If you're a child of God, you've got the Spirit of God inside you. Amen. Amen. That life's greater than any death that might be working against you. Can you say amen? amen? But you've got to be in faith to let that life flow out of you. And faith is a rest. And rest is enjoyable. Amen. Amen. Resting. You know, even when you're working on your job or whatever, you can be resting. You can be enjoying it. Is that right? So much of it's how you think and how you look at things. I mean, so, so many people, bless their hearts. You know, there's other folk that so wish they could have a job and wish they could get up and work, wish they were able to do this or that, and other folk griping and belly aching and complaining, getting up all the way to work, and just, just having a miserable day when they could be enjoying life. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Could be enjoying life. Do you see what I'm saying? It's so easy to get caught up in the mundane rituals of life and be unthankful for everything and ungrateful and unappreciative and not enjoy. Not enjoy. I don't know about you. I've made up my mind. I'm going to work on enjoying. Amen. I'm going to enjoy life. Enjoy living with God, walking with the Lord. Enjoy the blessings of God. Sure, we're going to keep working for the Lord. Sure, we're going to do what we can do to help any and everybody that we can. But that doesn't mean that we have to stay depressed. You know, one reason why that a lot of folk are, don't have rest, don't enjoy, like we said, they're trying to do it all instead of letting the Lord do it. That'll keep you from being enjoying, working, working, trying to do things that only God can do. Sometimes people are trying to take responsibility 
for other people's lives. That makes them unhappy, keeps them from enjoying life. Sometimes, you know, people are just not, just plain not doing the will of God. They got their own plan. They're going to do it their own way. And that keeps you from being happy and enjoying life. There's a lot of things that can keep you from enjoying life. Well, I can tell you this is a message the enemy don't like today. I can sure tell that. Because <laughs> it's been a bit of a challenge to get it out. We get it, we get it rolling today. We take on off. Amen. Rest of the week. But you got, you know, you got to lay a foundation. You understand that a lot of folk have been deceived into thinking that if you live a godly life, you don't enjoy life. You carry the burden of the world around on your shoulders because you care. You're a religious, responsible individual. But that's not what the Bible teaches. I said that's not what the Bible teaches. I've said this will bear repetition. Years ago, I went to get a haircut at a certain place. Of course, I've had several since then. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, this one particular time, uh, this this lady was cutting my hair, and she she knew I studied the Bible, student of the Bible, and she said, "I got a question I want to ask you." And I said, "Well, what is it?" She said, well, she told, and then she told me this story. She said, a friend of mine was, uh, coming down to the shop today. And you know, it was one of those kind of, day like, kind of like today. Man, the weather was beautiful. Birds were singing. Things were beginning to bud out and grass was beginning to, you know, spring out and green. And, and, uh, she, she was just enjoying the walk down the sidewalk and just felt good and just, you know, Enjoyed herself. And she met a preacher. Totally messed up her day. Now that's sad, isn't it? Meet a preacher and it messed your day up. Anyway, she said, well, hi, Reverend so-and-so. How you doing? Isn't it a wonderful day, you know, and just cheerful and cheery and he said, well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and uh, and uh, as they begin to talk a little bit there on the sidewalk, he began to say, well, you know, it's all good and fine. Be happy and what have you. He said, but one of the, one of the big concerns of our, our church in our day is that people are not concerned about the woes of the world. You see, you understand that, that, that millions are perishing without Jesus. She said, yeah. And you understand that myriads of people are dying from war and starvation and famine. Terrible things are happening on this planet. She said, yeah, yeah. I guess I just wasn't thinking that much about it. He said, I know. That's a problem. See, people don't think that much about it. And so as he left, she went on her way, head down, no more song. 
felt guilty about enjoying the day because other folk had war and other folk were hungry. Did you hear me? And so she asked me, she said, is that right? I mean, what? How are we supposed to think? So that's what we're talking about here. How does God think about it? Does God care about the woes of the world? Sure he does. Sure he does. Why doesn't he do something about it? He has. I said he has. And he is. Amen. He has done everything about it. And he's sending laborers out in the fields. Amen. He's preparing people. He's The message is going forward. Things are happening. And we're a part of it. But here's the issue. You are not the body of Christ. You are a member individually of the body of Christ. Amen. I know when I first started working in healing school, sometimes, you know, we have people coming all the time, day in, day out, with serious problems. Some you know about, some you don't know as much about, lots you can tell and sense by the Spirit. Folk that have serious problems. You know, people need help right away sometimes. And uh, I know when I first started, I began to carry some of the cares of that with me. Next thing I know, I lost my joy. You see? And it's amazing how that folk will justify things. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm depressed. I wouldn't call it that. See, I'm depressed, but I, I have a good reason. Because, see, I'm carrying the burden of healing school. Got a good spiritual excuse. Or do I? No. And I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not enjoying. You know, here I, here I am. You know, healthy. And I'm not enjoying my health. I'm not enjoying my life. I'm always worried about something else. Is that right? And so I got to praying one day. And the Lord spoke to my heart. I got a revelation that day. Never forget it. I don't mean I heard a voice. He just spoke to my heart like he can to any Christian. And he said to me, son, you are not the healer. And when he said that to me, it went off inside me. Now, if you'd asked me the day before, Keith, are you the healer? I'd have said, oh, no. No, Jesus is the healer. And yet, I was trying to take on responsibility that wasn't mine. Did you hear me? And it was keeping me from enjoying things I should have been enjoying. Some people think they're noble because they go around worried all the time. But they're actually unbelieving. And actually, there's pride there. Did you hear me? Because if you're trying to act like the healer, and you're not... You understand? You're trying to take on a role that you're just not capable of filling. And the same thing, so many times parents try to take on the role of Savior for their grown children. Did you hear me? Adult children. People try to take on the role of provider for people. Instead of them learning how to trust God for their provision, you know, They try to become their provider. 
And people try to become savior, provider, healer, need meter to people and get absolutely sapped and drained. Are you with me? And it's not, and then some of these same people get mad at God. And it wasn't God's fault at all. He never told them to do that. They were out of His will doing it to begin with. And another Lord spoke to my heart. He said, Son, you are responsible not to be everybody's healer, not to, you're not responsible for everybody's life that comes to healing school. You're responsible. To do what I give you to do. You're responsible to believe, to, uh, to share the message, to minister. And when you've done what I give you to do, then you cast the rest of the care over on me and you rejoice. Can you say amen? You're responsible to give to the poor as the Lord leads you. To minister to people as the Lord leads you and enables you. To pray, to love, to believe. You understand what I'm saying? You're not responsible to meet all the needs of the world and you're not supposed to try to carry the weight of it on your shoulders. To do so is pride and ignorance and unbelief. Do what you can do. Do your part and then cast the rest of the care of it over on the Lord and enjoy the blessings of the Lord. And if that's not true, then why are we told to rejoice so many times in the Word of God? What do we do with those Scriptures? If we're really supposed to be depressed because of the needs of the world, what do we do with all these rejoicing scriptures? Are you with me? Are you rejoicing, my friend? Are you rejoicing? Are you enjoying life? My, my, my. We're just here for a short time, aren't we? Very short time. I mean... You know, a hundred years passes very quickly. Very quickly. Like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. So what are we doing here? Let's, uh, let's do what God's called us to do, but He's told us and commanded us that while we're doing it, to enjoy it. Amen. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, I don't think the Lord cares much for depressed workers. He loves them. And He puts up with it. But He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. You know, I wouldn't. I've had a lot of people help me and work with me in healing school. And if and if I sense that somebody's not enjoying, then you know, maybe they don't need to. You understand what I'm saying? The Lord wants us to enjoy. Amen. Amen. Enjoy serving Him. Enjoy church. Not endure it. Enjoy reading the Bible. Not do it because we feel like we have to. Enjoy praying. Not just do it out of a sense of religious obligation and duty. Here's one. Enjoy giving. Amen. I tell you this too now. 
unless you've got to where if you got to the point where you enjoy giving, you hadn't got to the point where you're giving in faith yet. Which might explain a lot of things. Do you know that? God loves what kind of giver? Sour giver. <laughs> One that'll do it because he knows he ought to. No. You know, when I, I've, I've taken up offerings before in different situations. And when I do, a lot of times I tell folk, I say, look, now if you don't want to give, don't. Simple. Because you won't be blessed. Some folk leave the idea that if you can shake it out of people, squeeze it out of folk, some way, somehow, they'll be blessed. Oh no, it's not just a matter of getting some, somebody to drop something in the plate. You have to give in faith to be blessed. In order to give in faith, you've got to give gladly. That right there would answer a lot of folks' questions about why they hadn't been blessed like they think they ought to. Can't just do things out of sense of duty. The Bible didn't just say if you'd be obedient, you'd eat the good of the land. You gotta be what? Willing. Willing. What's willing? Willing. Ready. Isn't that right? Ready to do it. Willing to do it. Let's go. Amen. Able to get some enjoyment out of it. Willing and obedient. Not, alright, if I have to. Ah, just as a favor to you, okay? No, 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 no. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Stand it with me, everybody. Sit out loud. I'm going to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. I'm going to start today. I'm going to enjoy the rest of the day. I'm going to enjoy the night. I'm going to enjoy the little things. As well as the big things. I'm going to overlook. And then push past. Things that would worry and distract. I'll ignore. The enemy's distractions. And enjoy. The rich blessings of God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness. Lord, I pray. I feel like we've not done that well at expressing some of these things today. But Lord, I pray that your spirit would quicken in every heart just exactly what you want and how you want us to think, Lord. That we would not think in a sour way or a negative way, in a, in a way that would rob us of the blessings of the Lord, but that we would think positively, that we would be thankful people. That we would be rejoicing people and glad people in all good things that you've blessed us with. That we wouldn't have to lose things to appreciate them. We'd appreciate them right now. We'd enjoy them right now. That we wouldn't believe the lie that we have to get this or that to be happy. But we can be rejoicing right now. Right where we are. That we can rejoice every step along the way. Every rung of the ladder, every hour, every day, we can rejoice and be glad in the good things, the good blessings of you, our God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Well, take a deep breath. Did you enjoy that? (laughs) Amen. It's wonderful, isn't it? 
It's wonderful. Be alive. Be conscious and aware. Amen. Most of all, to be a child of God. Have a secure future destiny. Amen. We can have victory after victory right down here. Right down here. If we'll think right. Believe right. Speak right. Give God the faith that he needs to work in our life. And remember, faith is a rest. And rest is enjoyable. And that was one of the things that the Lord ministered to me. I just went around about the way to say it. But, uh, and that is that one of the indications of whether you're enjoying, excuse me, of whether you're uh, resting or not is enjoyment. One of the indications of whether you're really resting is enjoyment. We know that if you're in faith, you're in rest. But if you're really in rest, you'll have some what? Enjoyment. Is that right? Enjoyment. Enjoyment. So if you, you know, you call yourself resting, but you're not enjoying it, something's wrong. Right? Keep making the adjustments until you're enjoying it. And you'll find that the more you can enjoy, the more of things, you know, the door's open for God to change things that you hadn't been enjoying so that you enjoy in those areas as well. Amen. And enjoyment in life is not just enjoying things. You know that, don't you? Though you can enjoy things. Thank God for things. But you know, the greatest enjoyment is other people and God. Is that right? Enjoying your fellowship with God and enjoying other people. Enjoy other people. Don't wait for the perfect person to enjoy. Well, if I could just find somebody, you know, that didn't have all these little idiosyncrasies and and all these little ways. Well, guess what? You've got your little ways and idiosyncrasies. How many of you don't have to have everything just right to enjoy? Is that right? Amen. You know, enjoying life is an art. Become a connoisseur of life. Find life. And I'm not just talking about, you know, you have to be wealthy and rich. Because there are a lot of elements to wealth besides physical and financial. You understand? Monetary. Be a connoisseur of life. Amen. Enjoy this one. This is the only mortal life you'll ever have. No, we don't believe in reincarnation. You have not been this way before. This is your first time. Amen. It's your only time. That you'll be mortal on this planet. Make the most of it. It's short. It's short. It'll be over very soon. Amen. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it, enjoy it. I know I've been uh, very redundant and I've wandered around, but I think you got something anyway. Amen. 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 So uh, bless the Lord for he is good. Mercy endures forever. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.